Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Saga. What's the saga? It's songs for the deaf. You can't even hear it. Flash arrest. We simply says this. All of our loved ones and places were to come tonight before you and I. Enjoy the gospel and you don't feel anything, then you are in your most dangerous position. Welcome you. What is up, guys? Back once again. Welcome to another episode of Porch Talk. This is your host, Alan, and... I'm Big John, and I'm going to show you what the backside of your eyeballs look like. Perfect. So last, off the deep end, we spent a little time... Well, the, the whole thing turned out to be conspiracies wrapped around this idea of war. Yeah. And so this time, for July 4th... Freedom! Freedom. Eagles, natural light... Yeah. Flamingos, fireworks, prohibition, whatever, 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 whatever you think freedom is. Yeah, but we're gonna start out with soul freedom. Soul freedom and the conspiracy behind Robert Johnson are not. I don't guess it's a lot, a lot of mysticism. Yeah, that's a lot I'd of say spirit, that's a better a of, way. A lot of spirituality in it. Yeah, I mean it's it's really strange. You know, looking at the info around him, he had what. 
29 recorded tracks. Yes, 29 recorded tracks with, what was it, American Record Company? Yes. And 29, and he has done so much in those 29 songs. Mm -hmm. Because, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but to go ahead and lay this out, uh, he was the father, or I guess it would be illegitimate father, because Muddy Waters took that sound, was heavily influenced by it, and you have the modern electric blues. Yeah. And then Keith Richards, yeah. Eric Clapton, other big timers. Big time, big time stuff. And were impacted and influenced by this man. That had 29 songs. Mm-hmm. Was it's, taken away too soon. Yeah, he, he was taken away too soon. Like, 27 years old. Yeah. 27. I'm four years older than that. I had to do math. Yeah. <laughs> four years older than 27 right now. Yeah, I just beat it, dude. I just beat it last year. Yeah. And I'm looking at what I was doing at 27. There wasn't no way I was going to be influencing the music industry at 27. Right. And yeah. so let's back this up to beginnings. We're in Hazelhurst, Mississippi, which is not far from here. No, like hour and a half, two hours, probably. We're talking about the Delta. Yeah. And so uh, for anybody who's hung out here on Port Salt for any time, especially untapped in vinyl episodes... Mississippi is, uh, it has the Delta Blues, it has the Hill Country Blues. Mississippi is home of the greatest blues players. Well, that's because it's so bad. Conditions are so bad here. Yeah. No choice but to have the blues. And so said that to set this up is this is what we're looking at. This is early 1900 Mississippi. Slavery was only a generation yeah, you were you were they 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 churched it up a little, and instead of calling you a slave, they were calling you sharecroppers at that point. And so his father, Robert Johnson's father, uh, was pissed because he didn't want to be a sharecropper. Yeah. He didn't want to work the field. No, said I had these long fingers and just wanted to play guitar, so he would play guitar for these sharecroppers. Yeah, and that you know, as sharecroppers, they didn't have a lot of money. No, no, like relatively no money. He was playing out there for the nickel. He got recognition, no, mm-hmm. and a lot of it wasn't so so good in the beginning. No, it wasn't. He was uh, considered to be a mediocre at best guitar player. Yeah, in the beginning. Yeah, right. So, and this is where the mysticism comes because yeah. of what's about to happen. Is he was just at the the juke joint? The guys went on break. He picked up the guitar. The crowd walked outside. It's yeah. like, hey, you need to go tell that boy get off the guitar he gonna run us off he gonna break the string something yeah and they went up there and was like get the hell out of here yeah what are you doing kid get on and so these were his uh, mentors mentors yeah these were people he was looking to as far as you know his influence on guitar yeah and he was just wanting to play they run him off and he disappears for a whole year yeah and comes back Stories of him going to uh, the crossroads mm-hmm. down in uh, the Delta. Yeah. yeah. And so he offered his guitar up, and the devil supposedly tuned it a certain way. Yeah, gave him a special tune, and he said, Once I hand you this guitar back, your soul's mine. Do you agree? Yeah. Do, you do, you want- do you want your guitar back? Mm-hmm. And apparently, if you want to go with the the mysticism, he sold his soul to the devil, got these wicked, wicked guitar powers, 
that went on to influence and shape not only modern blues but also rock and roll rock and roll and see and it's just a, a little chord progression in between the two mm-hmm. but nobody knew that until he unlocked he it. came back what's been said about robert is that he had the ability to unlock the genius in you yeah whether it be good or bad yeah and sometimes when you unlock the genius sometimes you you touch on it's like letting the monster out yeah you let the monster out mm-hmm. and so robert got back on the scene and Hop there on stage. No, walk back in with guitar in hand yeah. while them boys was playing that run him off. Yeah. Oh, Robert back. What you want to do? What I want to play. And like, no, nah, man. He's like, just give me a chance. Yeah. And he knocked their socks off. He yeah. blew their hair back. And actually, I want to say it turned into him influencing a lot of those guys with the new guitar techniques it, he came back it, with. It turned, it turned around. And so there was this. Now, what in the hell did Robert do? Yeah. There ain't no way. He was, he was a schmuck. Yeah. He was mediocre at best. He sucked. And you come back in a year, that kind of talent doesn't happen. You just, don't, you just can't walk into guitar talent like that. Guitar and singing talent. Because mm-hmm. he couldn't sing or play guitar. They said he's just obnoxious and yeah. racket. Yeah. To come back and melt people's faces. Yeah. In a year's time. Yeah. How you do that? Yeah. I mean, I guess you could say you practice every day. There is... You know, another rumor going around. But this also plays into this mysticism once again. Ike Zimmerman, right? Yeah. His other mentor back when he retreated to Hazelhurst for that year's disappearance. He ran away with the disappearance of the, you know, left and came back. Well, this they say that year he hung out with Ike Zimmerman, mm-hmm. who was another Mississippi Delta Blues icon. Yes. And he actually taught him how to play the guitar taught him how to sing and they practiced in graveyards yeah I love Ike's reason why he said cause you couldn't irritate anybody practicing in the graveyard right. who you gonna wake up out here man yeah yeah he said these people can't boo yeah and he got they got out there he said they practiced at midnight and I think that may also be how some of the uh the rumors. The rumors of the selling the soul to the devil mm-hmm. came about. That's what they called haints at this time, which yeah. was nothing more than uh, what, a ghost or a spirit. Basically, yeah. So the saying is like playing your guitar in the graveyard at midnight, the spirits will come out and teach you how to play the blues because that was the only way to actually know the know blues. Know the blues, yeah. Yeah. And he, he came back from that year hiatus, whatever he did. Yeah. Came back a completely transformed guy, mm-hmm. and so he got lucky with some women yeah. down the road. Had some had a had a son, and I think this right here for me was the turnoff from the mysticism, and it just moved into, I think it was the aspect of freedom. Yeah, and so he had this wife to be man, yeah. and her dad took her from him. Yeah, said no, nah, you're not marrying my daughter. He plays the devil's music. You can't hang out yeah. with him. Yeah. And I think that's when something happened. I think that's when something broke. I think that was yeah. like the last the, the switching point. And then he's like, you think I play the devil's music? I'll give you the devil's yeah, music. Yeah, I will give you the devil's music. And then music. become the nicknames of, you know, Man of Hell or Man of the Devil. Because mm-hmm. in a lot of those 29 recorded songs, what's mentioned regularly? A lot of devil references. and Now, the Hellhounds things is interesting to me because keep in mind we're only a... a a generation away from slavery, and so yeah. there's his stepfather. Yeah. Remember Dodds, who was a successful carpenter, and he had a business there, 
in Hazelhurst. He yeah. had to run off to Memphis. Why? Because there was a lynch mob because the white people were really yeah. jealous of his success. Yeah, because he was doing better than they were. Yeah. Or he was doing better. He was doing better in carpentry stuff than they were, and they're like, oh, no. No. We can't have this, excuse me, colored feller yeah. doing better than us. Right. So they had to get it. They were like, They no. got the lynch mob together, and they ran him out of town. Yeah. And so when he makes mention in his songwriting about the hot powder and talking about the hellhounds on his trail, yeah. I think that was coming from maybe his mother telling him about the, you know, why they put the hot powder out. Supposedly it would turn the... the the bloodhound's nose off to where you'd lose scent. And so I think some of that lyrics, I think he was writing to his father, not actually talking about, which could be the devil's hellhounds once again. Could be. Because he, something clicked, man. Yeah, absolutely. And it completely transformed him and even the way he presented himself and the way he presented himself to other people. Because it turned into, I'm the devil. Yeah. I'm the devil, and there's this whole hoodoo aspect with the with yeah. the powder on the front door thing, the hot powder. Also, yeah. And so in that one song, um, Come Into My Kitchen. Yeah, Come Into My Kitchen. It's a great song. We may play a little clip yeah. of it. Um, but there's a reference to, I took the last nickel out of her nation sack. Well. And that, what I've heard that translated as is he's pretty much taken her worth. Yeah. Yeah. And now he's inviting this new woman in. Yeah. So worth meaning deflowered, basically. And now he's looking for another woman to take that spot. Mm -hmm. And And so that goes, once again, that goes back to something. Because that's that's a very deep hooded reference. Because that's something that's lost now is that the thinking and the believing and the culture of that period of time for African Americans that had to be the wildest thing like just going back to the beginning with these juke joints and how everything was thrown together man it was uh, that was a way for them to have a release yeah yeah they could get their freedom basically it was a time where they could let loose Mm -hmm. because you couldn't let loose in town not not as as an African American in this time you You could not go to town yeah, and so the juke joint just outside, man, the music was good. The music was good. And then it got to a point to where they would start playing on the streets and, like, the bar owners or whoever would hear there in town be like, hey, won't you come play down here tonight? Yeah, and that's how they made money, you know, going... Because they didn't want to be sharecroppers. No, they... But the amount of work you could get at this time for an African-American was you'd be a sharecropper or good you luck. do nothing. Yeah. Run from the hellhounds yeah. and lynch yeah. mobs. Yeah, it's the field or nothing. Yeah, or hell. And so, I think that was another huge thing about this Robert Johnson story because I think that when it waking people up, they that modern blues man, it just was. Well, see, going into the modern <laughs> way, good. he inf- he's he is he is to this day influencing musicians vicariously. Mm-hmm. Through other musicians, Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin. How Rolling. many? How many people has Rolling Stones? Robert Plant. How many people has Keith Richards influenced? Yeah. Like right. Sublime. Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters, and you know the list keeps going. There's there's a band out right now that sounds just like Zeppelin. Yeah. So I mean, I'm sure they're influenced by Zeppelin. They got to be if they say they're not. They're lying to themselves. That's another. That's another story yeah. there in itself. But. The, the the point is that Robert Johnson 
29 songs mm-hmm. in is influencing artists almost a hundred years later. A later. Mm-hmm. hundred years later. You're not gonna do that with 29 songs today. If you had 29 songs today, one of them might get heard and nobody will remember you two years from now. Right. Now take a big band like, let's say, Stones, Beatles, um, Zeppelin. Now, we can look at their discography and do, we got a catalog of maybe over a hundred different recorded oh, works. Oh man. Not to mention live from here, live from this, live from that. Zeppelin's uh, the BBC, BBC recordings, sixty-five songs, and that's just the hits. That's what I'm saying. Just their hits. Yeah, that's not the fluff that was on, like physical graffiti or you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm a I'm a one, two, three, and four <coughs> guy. One, two, three, and four. Yeah. Zeppelin. It's the best Zeppelin. Yeah. If it's not numbered, it's kind of like Danzig, dude, because Danzig did. Number Danzig. Only good Danzigs are numbered. Only good Zeppelin's numbered. Uh, House of Hollow is okay. And I mean, I do like physical graffiti. You get In My Time of Dying, and that was one of the last songs Chris Cornell ever played. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's deep influence there. You know, if Soundgarden, Chris Cornell was covering a Zeppelin song, who was influenced by Robert Johnson, that means they're taking a little influence from somebody that has 29 songs. Yes. That's, that blows my mind. He's dude. the father, man. He is the He's father. the illegitimate father of modern blues and rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, 100%. And, you know, I, I, virtually, I had virtually no info on this guy up until about two, three months ago. Really? I'd heard his songs. Like, I heard uh, Gil Scott Heron yeah. cover Me and the Devil, and I'm like, this is an awesome song. I've heard it. Mm-hmm. Heard it before. Muddy Waters does a lot of cover of them. Uh, covers a lot of... Uh, Led Zeppelin yeah. had a song where they quoted two of his lines. Yeah. Squeeze My Lemon. Yeah. To the juice run down the leg, man. All the way. And that's, that's so, so crazy how if there wasn't something, another force... Behind it. Behind it. How is he still having all this influence? How is his house that is over us, like the house he was born in over a century ago, still in, still standing? I mean, there's something, yeah. there's something about that, man. His, the house he was born in still stands. I wonder if that guitar is in a case somewhere. I would hope so. I would hope that it was. I'm going to find out about that. See if anybody's got any instruments of his. Would you play it? I, I can't play it, but I would I would be like, that's Robert Johnson's guitar over there. I mean, what if it still had that tune on it? What if, what I mean, if maybe I could play it, but I, I mean, don't you're know. You're not 27, I, though. You're past that. I'm so. past that. Would I'm it be like a Keith Richards thing? Where you just... I am 33, though. Yeah. So, you know, Jesus died at 33. Oh? Mm-hmm. I got to wait till next year. Before I can try to play the guitar. There you go. April April 16th, 2020. Learn how to play the guitar. Yeah. So, 27 Club. We're yeah. there. That's when Robert passed. And so, to tell and, about his passing, it was Three Forks. Yeah, the, the Three Forks bar down in Greenwood, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. It's rumored that he was poisoned because he bought a bottle of liquor. 
Yeah. From the bar. Which the seal was broke. The seal was broken and somebody slapped the bottle out of his hand to try and keep it from drinking it. said, don't you ever drink a bottle of whiskey with the seal broke. And Robert said, don't you ever slap a $7 bottle of whiskey out of my hand. Yeah, I mean, I could get that. Because, dude, $7 to somebody that might get 10 for playing a show that night? Yeah. That's money. And so the reason behind this is going back to the tragedy of the dad not wanting her daughter to marry him. Yeah, that was his, his heartbreak, I he, think. That he was fell switch. into a life of whiskey, heavy whiskey drinking and womanizing. Womanizing, blaspheming, and that's what got him the reputation of mm-hmm. man of hell, man of the devil. Yeah. In all the illustrations you see of him, there's a sinister-looking shadow, yeah, or horns. his shadow looks like it's got horns. And there, there was also talking about like times when people would mess with him, and it's like, you don't want to mess with me. And yeah. It's not that it's me. It's what's behind me. It's the power behind me. Yeah. And, I mean, you can't say stuff like that if it ain't true, because somebody will call your bluff. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, maybe that's what happened at Three Forks. Yeah. Somebody called his bluff. Somebody called the bluff. It's like, dude's shacked up with my wife. Mm-mm. And I wish we could know. I wish somebody would say, give a name. They're saying it could be the bartender. could be the houseman. Yeah. Because the houseman. Or it could have been the woman. It could have been the woman. The houseman was the woman's boyfriend that he supposedly disrespected. Mm-hmm. The bartender was the person in charge of the booze. Mm-hmm. So it could have just as easily been any of them. Yeah. If they would just say who it was, I wonder what, what their fate turned into. That's interesting. If they would just say a name, yeah. who did it? But you know how stuff is. Didn't yeah. hear nothing, did, didn't did, see nothing. Did, no. And the police went down there, asked a question, and that was it. Didn't no, hear nothing, nothing, didn't see nothing, nothing don't know happened. who it was. Because people didn't mind him dying. Yeah, because he was a man of the devil. And they felt like it was, to go back to the mysticism, the bill was due. Yeah, he, he it's time to pay the check. And that kind of plays in with the 27 Club because there's rumors that that is the stipulation. If you sold your soul, sell your soul. Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain. Winehouse. Amy Winehouse. Jim, Jim Morrison. Uh, Brian Jones. Janis Joplin. Janis Joplin. The list goes on. Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. And, you know, all he of them... He could have been saved. All of them have the kind of the little stigma going around that mm, maybe sold their soul to the devil. I attribute it more to their drug and alcohol problem. I could see that, too, because, you know, one of his big things was whiskey and women. Yeah. One of uh, Jim Morrison's big things was drinking and... And wild. And wild. Amy Winehouse was drinking heroin. Yeah. Uh, Cobain was, Cur- Cobain was, was drugs. Drugs. Predominantly. And I don't know. The conspiracy behind him. somebody. Courtney Love. That's another episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he died Jim, at 27. Jimmy was like a bad acid thing. Yeah, he was. A, Jimi Hendrix took acid every day and he went too far. Kind of like, it's just too much, man. Yeah. Went out there and But the thing back. about him is he could have been saved if somebody actually cared. If if he hadn't been a black male in the sixties, mm-hmm. he would have been saved. Yeah. That's the world that was. And all this torment and everything going back to uh Robert Johnson, all that could have been spared if that dad would have just 
let him marry his daughter. I think so, too. I think he would have leveled off. I think it would have planed out. Mm-hmm. I mean, he probably still wouldn't be making music to this day, but we could probably could have got him well into the 70s. There could have been more written on his life, too. And I would yeah. have loved for him to see, like, the impact what that he had. influence. Yeah, just just to scratch the surface, you know? Mm-hmm. And even with this with Kurt Cobain and Nirvana, I mean, you talk to a lot of musicians and artists that are our age, yeah, older, younger, they nearly always mention either Pearl Jam or Nirvana. Yeah, every time. You're either... I've met some people even, that can be a fan of both. Yeah. But most of the time, you're either a Pearl Jam or you're a Nirvana fan. Mm-hmm. See, I, I'm both. I'm a Pearl Jam fan. I love I Eddie Vedder, man. I don't. I, I don't. I don't. You can't. You can't prove anything to me that Nirvana did that was better than anything that any other grunge band did. I can say that about Pearl Jam. I don't know. I think like Cobain was like totally different, and if he would have got one more album, I think. It would have even changed the game further. And see, that's that's kind of because it was that MTV unplug when everybody was expecting a rock show and they come out and did an acoustic show. Yeah, and it was it was awesome. And it was the that's best. my favorite. And I think that's the, I think that's the way that Kurt was going. I think he was about to because well, he hated awesome. he hated being famous. And I think he, it was like, well, I'm going to do something totally different. Well, if you look at grunge at that time. That was the way it was. It was started because you you had you already had a live, a live was out. Nevermind from Nirvana was out, mm-hmm. and then you come in with like Vitality from Pearl Jam or Yield. It's a more acoustic. And broke down sound. I just think that's the way that grunge was. That was that was the way it was moving. Yeah, I think that's the way grunge was going. Was more like dark, darker content and lighter music. Mm -hmm. I think that was what was grunge was going to get into. But we have Pearl Jam. That's one of the last soul surviving grunge bands. Yeah, they turned into bubble uh, rap. Absolutely. They've turned into more of an arena rock band now. Yeah. Over a grunge band. I would say so. Man, I love Pearl Jam. I, I, I've, been, I've uh, only got to see them one time. I haven't seen them yet. I would, I would, I'd be cool with seeing Eddie by himself, man. I like his solo stuff. I love the ukulele songs. Yeah. He just came out. Oh, that was, oh, no, he didn't just come out. That was a long Remember, time ago. Into the Wild. Oh, where Eddie Vedder did yeah. the whole soundtrack for yeah, it. Yeah, and that whole book, the book was good. The soundtrack, the movie was good. The yeah. soundtrack awesome. Yeah. Society, dude. Yeah. Society's one of the best songs I've ever heard in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a dope-ass song. But Rabbit Hole. <laughs> so just, I guess to wrap up on Robert Johnson is the way he died, he was poisoned. He was poisoned. And it three was, Forks, and Greenwood, it, Mississippi. And it was a two or three day thing where he died yeah, he extremely slow. He's fucking suffered. Uh, you know, if he did sell his soul to the devil, they say that's the way you go. And we won't really know they did or didn't ever because we weren't there. Yeah. It's, you know, there's no way we can take it. We get, you know, like the TARDIS or the Bill and Ted time machine and 
go back in time and check it out, but no. you won't ever know. I mean, I would love to be at Three Forks yeah. that night. I would love to sit down with somebody that was still alive in the Delta. Yeah. That was old enough to remember that period and could give a personal account. We're on, we're almost out of that and, time. I mean, there's so few now. Yeah. Like, I say it's somebody somebody needs to get that interview. Somebody needs to like what? Tell me about the blues. Yeah. From the start. Yeah, and I, I want the I want the nitty gritty. I the want it dirt. I like want, I want that guy who is out there on his milk carton box playing yeah. while y'all are sharecropping out there. Yeah. Just hanging out, just yeah. hoping he could get a sip of water and maybe a dime or so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would right. love to find somebody that could be like, dude, I seen it. I was at yeah this venue when Robert Johnson yeah. played. I was at that juke joint that yeah. night. He come in and like, oh, honey boy. And yeah. He he blew their hair back. Yeah. I was there. Yeah, I was sitting there. Had a Budweiser. And I remember being there the year before and laughing at him and mm-hmm. wishing he would get off stage. It was unbelievable. That got to find dude, that you're, we're running out of time on that. Because so he was born in 1911. Yeah. And it was 30, 38 when he passed. Yeah. And there ain't many people still kicking around from then no it's gonna be a passed over story but I still you know I mean you know there's still poor down there you could probably go hey man you probably get one of his kids to do it honestly grandkid yeah grandkid I wonder if Claude's still alive son probably I think so I mean that would be so cool dude oh my god cause he would have like inside inside info because he was there. Oh, and even that part about like him, like when last time Robert ever saw, or Claude ever saw his Robert. Yeah. Was, was coming to check in on him and bring some money. And bring some money, yeah. The grandpa wasn't, he was like, no, you no. can't. The devil's, the devil man ain't going to be a part of my grandson's life. Yep. And he said, here's the money. He's trying to do the right thing kind of thing. And that was it. Yeah. Yeah, we'll never know what happened. And so I wonder, like in his mind, seven years old, and he's you know he says he remembers it vividly. Yeah, I can ask my little girl about stuff happened when she was seven. She right off the yeah. top, she's young. And so like I wonder, like did he did he recognize at what age in his life he recognized why he wasn't able to see his father? You know, even after he was passing, like yeah. Three. Why? What was the reason behind? And then going back and like finding why? those recordings and being like, "Oh, he did play the devil's music." Oh, man, this this shit's awesome. Yeah, that would be if I heard it and I'm like, "You mean to tell me this is my dad?" And you wouldn't let me know him? Yeah, yeah, I would freak out, man. I'd flip out. Yeah, like all that all that talent that could have been passed down. Yeah, man. Lost. Not lost. Mm-hmm. Discarded. Yeah. <laughs>
so what we just did was worth about four Lance Arms to me. I'm going to give it – no, I want to give it at least six. Okay. Six Lance Arms. Total of ten. Yeah, so ten Lance Arms right there. I mean, that's a pretty solid score, I'd say. I don't know how the scale of Lance Arms goes. <laughs> it's tricky business yeah. when you're inventing currency. Yeah, I mean, And weight and volume, volume and height and length. It's all things. It's like Jesus. It's in all things. Lance Arms. Lance Arms. You get yours today. We do need to come up with a standard for Lance Arms, though. Yeah. Because... We're, needs... we're only three episodes in. We're, we're, we'll build the idea a little bit each episode. Okay. Well, now, now it's been put in the air that we need to create a standard for Lance Arms. Right. So we're going to speak that into existence now. Mm-hmm. Okay. When... I say, uh, when we're talking about length, yeah, we're going to say that uh, a lance arm is, just to be really compl- complicated, it's a, a foot and eight inches. <laughs> a foot and eight inches? Or, if with the rest of the world, if we're going to go metric, it's worth about 47 centimeters. All right. Which is way different. That's way smaller than a foot and eight inches. Yeah, that's way smaller. So <laughs> okay. There you go, metric system. Let's go Boom. Let's go 1.7 meters. And there we go. That's, that's probably a little... Oh, that's way longer. Okay, well, 1.17 meters. There we go. We'll go with that one. 1.17. Yeah. Yeah. And then a foot and eight inches. Don't go to doing math. I know there's conversions. Yeah. You don't have to go that far. It's Lance Arms. Yeah. It's Lance Arms. You, no, you know what? I think we're complicating it, it, Lance Arms with a standard. See what I'm saying? It's, I think it's complicating Lance Arms I with think, a standard. I think it should just be understood. Yeah, that is like Lance Arms. When I was to go and tell you how much that was worth, I'd be like, it was worth all of six. And I think you should... Okay. Yeah, I understand. I'm like, eh, you know what? I think it's worth a little more than that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So, we just leave it at that. Yeah, there's no real standard. There is a real standard. It's everything. It's it's an end all be all. Yeah, it's it's the deciding measurement, weight, volume, mass, whatever. Right. Lance arms. Yeah. You know, speaking of lance arms, have you heard of this thing called uh, Project Bluebeam? Tell me more. So Project Bluebeam is supposedly this. Hologram. hologram generator, I guess you could say, like mass, huge hologram. And that is about the extent of what I know. Just to brief a little bit is um, I've heard uh, maybe 9-11 was hologram. There is rumors that, have you seen the video of the actual plane footage going in to the plane footage, quotation marks, going in to the World Trade Center? At some point when they're making the turn to go in, the wing disappears. Mm-hmm. And then, why didn't you see this big-ass plane why coming into the why skyline? Didn't, why didn't anybody see it? Nobody saw a plane coming into the skyline until this plane... I mean, I've been, I've been in Manhattan. I've been in you know, New York City. So the buildings are huge and tall. 
And planes don't fly that low. They don't fly. If there was a plane flying that low, because you know it's probably at least a three, you know, three bay plane. Mm-hmm. So a three bay plane is at least eight to ten to maybe even twelve lance arms wide. Yes, perfect. And in forty seven long. In forty seven long. And how how can nobody see this? Flying in. Yeah. Which is only about 400 lance arms in the sky. That's 400 lance arms in the sky. You should be able to see the gas tank on that plane. Yes. Or, you know, where the gas nozzle thing is, not necessarily the tank. Yeah. You you get what I'm saying. You should be able to see the... You should be able to at least see the landing gear or the lights coming in, something. Yeah. But instead... And you definitely hear it. Instead, there's... Poorly shot. I mean, I realized 2001, and we didn't have the camera capabilities we do now. Mm-hmm. Still, though, even with the Motorola, you know, the old blue and silver flip phone back in the day. The Razor? No, not the Razor. The Razor was, I think, I can't, well, maybe the Razor, no, the Razor hadn't came out at that point. It was still the blue and silver flip phone. Okay. Yeah. With the uh, AT and T or Singular or whatever they're calling their, themselves back then. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I remember that thing because it had like uh, it was the first one you could get. It was like MP3 ringtones on. Mm-hmm. You know, like live music link ringtones. Oh yeah. And those cameras on that phone, dude, were awesome for that time. And yeah. you should be able to see a better quality of a plane going in, other than this. 15 seconds of footage you see of right before it crashes in or whatever, seven seconds of footage of the first plane flying in, there should be at least a minute and a half and bombs flying at this plane because what's killing 187 people over killing 1,000 people? Mm-hmm. You know? If you could see the plane coming in and you knew it was hijacked, problem was... This is going back into 9-11, but the problem was there was all these military training operations going on that day, like training scenarios of planes flying into buildings, so they didn't know which one was a training exercise or what was a legitimate threat. Well, I'm saying that there was no plane at all. It was a hologram. It was a hologram. Done by Project Bluebeam. There's there's cases where, where is Project Bluebeam out of because the first or second huge occurrence was China. It's China. worldwide, dude. It can be it's Hong Kong, right? Yeah. Where they projected another city, and people have said they've seen cities in the sky, and you can hear horns honking on the streets of that hologram. Yeah, of the hologram. So they've got to be just taking an image from somewhere and mirroring it. Now, everybody played it off, and it was weak. They, just, they just wanted to mist. say it was fog, like fog, a real like thick a fog. real thick, misty fog almost. And, you know, I mean, it's like the video, and I don't, I don't want to say that this is a hologram. I'm sure this is something completely different, like somebody photoshopped this in. But you remember the video that was circling around from Tuscaloosa, of what looked like the person like running across the clouds. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, like, even like sometimes you'll get the, just the right cloud in the sunset, and it'll look like look like that. It'll look like just man. Do you see the line and that lamb? Hey, check this out, dude. That looks like that looks like stinking John Lennon in the clouds, man. Or you know. And see, yeah, well, I'm sure, like, small scale, that that's just somebody, like... Double rainbow want, all the way! Wanting to see something, <laughs> and then it being close enough for their brain to be like, yeah, that's, that's it. That's totally it. But this is, this is mass, dude. This is on a large scale. This is thousands of people. This is a whole nation. A seeing, whole seeing this. And that leads me to believe that if they do have this capability, why... Can we not say that there may be a viewing of Jesus? That's what I was going to say. I don't, I don't think it would be anything with this. If you can project, even though it was just television, with 9-11. Well, you think. know, they showed they could do it again at this past Super Bowl with the fireball flying in during the halftime show. Oh. You didn't see that? No, I didn't watch the I It sucked. It's terrible. Anyway, in the opening before they started, this fireball came in and exploded on stage. Really? Yeah, like, and the stage lit up. Mm -hmm. And they showed it flying in. And people saw it in their room. And it was a hologram, dude. So they got that capability to do it. Who's to say they can't stage uh, alien invasion? Who's? I mean, go back just for a second. Like yeah. You could rapture it or, you know. Oh, you have create it, a fake rapture, uh, heaven you, in the sky. You could, you could have uh, Jesus on a white horse coming in through the clouds from the east. Mm-hmm. Huge, huge Jesus, too. Like, make it to where you can see it for miles. Yeah. That way you get it on a larger scale. Because if you do something to... A group or you know an association of people or a nation it's got to be big there's got to be at least mm-hmm. hundreds of people no. see this dude I'm talking about Hong Kong that is British China yeah the whole stinking city saw it everybody there saw it and they're like all sorts of so we're talking different angle videos we're not talking about hundreds or thousands we're talking of hundreds of thousands to almost a million Billions, or maybe if not more yeah Way more, you know. Millions of so people Kong's saw a this huge place. And who's to say that they don't do that and create this reason for us to go to war with a hologram? With a hologram, or make us believe that this hologram, such as you know the wars going on in Iraq and Iran, is still stemming off the hologram of the plane flying in, man. All of it. Yeah, maybe. People still behind, dude, they're still, have you forgotten? Every time, every year, man, have you forgotten? Everybody's got, do you remember 9-11 shirts on? Dude, it's still such a big part of our culture. They they, they did... Uh, well, it was the first time we were ever attacked on our home place. They did... Home they, field. You know? they, they got 20 years out of this, at least, of they were involved in 9-11. We can prove it. They've got 20 more years of that. Yeah. Or they have weapons of mass destruction. 20 more years. Think about this. What was the point of projecting another city over Hong Kong? Just show that they could do it. See if anybody would recognize it. 
see if it and was then noticeable on a foggy day. See if you could see it through the fog. And so, what was the obviously entertainment? Yeah, what, just, what was just the point? test. What was the point for shooting a fireball center stage? Test. Halftime. Test. To see when they're ready to really go at us with a hallucination. So I don't think it would be war. No. I, th- I think this is like for the first thing for someone who was to get their hands on this. Uh, you remember um, back when old buddy talked a whole lot of people to go to an island and drink Kool-Aid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was his name? Remember that guy's name? That's why I just left it. It evaded me, yeah. I can't remember. Yeah, they, he got on to talk him into it, though. And then that guy out in Texas that buried the Cadillacs in the ground. Mm-hmm. Dude, he, he had so many people following him. Yeah. And so I'm thinking if, like, in the wrong hands, and I'm sure it's already in the wrong hands, mm-hmm. you could do literally anything. But if you had a cult, oh, man. and especially as strange, man, as, as the times are now, who knows what you could get those people to do with these just holograms? Well, they've already been doing the small think scale holograms with think Tupac. About and think about how uh, hologram, yeah, hologram, you, Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson hologram. Uh, I mean, it won't be long. You probably get some like Jimi Hendrix. Oh, yeah. like, just think about giving the two a mashup and like you could like sell hundreds of dollars of thousands worth of Lance mm-hmm. on in ticket sales. Oh yeah, yeah, dude, <laughs> for holograms. Yeah, and. Dude, they they've done it. They've done it. they've done Tupac and made a killing with touring hologram Tupac around. <laughs> All right, man. I mean, you know, if it works, it works. It's crazy. So what else? What else is the? I just don't like. It happens with everything, man. Think about you could hologram Bigfoot. You could start hologramming, like you said earlier, with alien invasion, like UFO sightings. UFOs become... coming in on the horizon. Huge. Yeah. Huge, like countries wide. And then think about this, like, man, you could completely t- torment and terrorize, like, a specific area or region of yeah. anywhere. Anywhere. And I mean, just think about, like, the impacts you could have on, like, people. Or think about. Because it would be like the Truman Show at this point, right? Ain't that where. Uh, uh, just Carrie's character yeah, in was the, living in a in bubble. The bubble, yeah. Love it. It's like you're just being played, man. Your whole life is a sham. Well, that goes into thinking the thinking that we're all just a big alien science project, too. You know, is somebody's watching us. There is something more powerful than us. We Absolutely. are not the top of the food chain, and. You know, they've got the Space Force operative now, which I think is just a secret space program rebranded. I'm thinking they're trying to start like, you know, we went to the moon but never went back. Supposedly. Supposedly. Never publicly went back. Um, we may have been told real quick that you ain't welcome up here. Like we said on the last one, you're not welcome. Don't come back. Well, they might be thinking, well, it's about time for us to see what's out there. Go see how far they've advanced. Mm-hmm. And I think if we do that, that might be that might bring the end. That might be it. No? Yeah, I don't. I don't. They, there's no. There's no way of knowing what extraterrestrial technology is. Do you think there's, like, okay, just take Area 51. 
And okay. so there's this, I think, a documentary out now. It's the life of Bob Lazar, man. So there was a scientist. What's crazy to me is take alien technology and to say, like, Area 51 is a place. It, yeah, it's definitely a place. I've been there. I've been through it. Okay. And that they have alien technology, air quotes. Yeah, I don't know that. And they're saying that they're trying to, they figured it out and they're trying to make it compatible and do what they want it to do. Well, in that documentary about Bob Lazar, they, are, they tell you that, look, Area 51 is a location. Mm-hmm. Bob Lazar is like, look, I worked in S4. And there's generals on this documentary that's like, well, he's not wrong about the name of the classified base. And he's like, S4 is the base where they re-engineer alien technology. That's what I'm saying. Re-engineering, like, figuring out how it works. How can you do I can't even fathom that. Because you don't even have no basis of what, where their science is coming from. It's all antimatter and anti-gravity and... Like, other than, like, pure, like, ignorance, like, just think about, I think about just invention, like, with, with the light bulb, or with electricity, is like, I was being retarded one day, and I saw how lightning worked, and all that, I was Thought like, harness what, what if it wasn't, no, what if, what if that was taught? You know, they would never tell us if it was, and the only way we could prove it is if it was there. That is and that's a good question and, to bring that, up, though. And that's what's crazy about, like, this... Czar guy. Right? Yeah, Bob Lazar. 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 Yeah. And saying that we're re-engineering alien technology, how do you begin to know? Without, like, and how many how many times, like, uh, did you not understand what was going on? Like, so how many defects do you have on you now because of this? How many lance arms did they come up with to just make some kind of, some kind of, way to figure out what they had and just like to take this to maybe something that you could like visually see as i'm thinking like the uh radiation gamma like think about hulk yeah and uh what is it dr manhattan sure i'm thinking about that in a lab with the sailing technology and figuring out whatever it does like i wonder like if there's anything different with you they say there's people here that have alien dna and you know alien dna could be just something that they don't like a defect that they don't know yet that it's different from anything that they've seen before and people have the same characteristics so they're like and most of the people that come back to have this weird DNA structure have these ideas that there are extraterrestrials and they've been taken up into space and you know, so they're discredited right there 100%. Yeah. Because if you go into the doctor talking about aliens, they're going to put you in their fucking psych ward. Yeah, you're going to be in real a padded quick. room, dude. Yeah. You, you're going to get fixed whatever's broken, and they're going to be like, come over here with us. Mm-hmm. We need to help you. Mm-hmm. Stay with us for a while. Yeah. And you're like, you know what? I would like for all this to stop. Because it might be extraterrestrials, or it might just be the brain of this yeah. person. So... Every time you hear somebody go to talking about, no, I've experienced aliens, generally they're automatically Broke. discredited right then. <laughs> they're almost as discredited as like yeah, flat yeah. earthers. Yeah, flat earthers are like immediately yeah. discredited. Yeah, and it's like, shh, 
the earth's flat. Are you serious? I can't even trust what I'm, you said I'm, you had for breakfast. Yeah, I don't even want to hear what you have to say. And then you turn your side to him, and dude, you know, like we said before, you're going to feel like a fucking asshole. Yeah. When the earth does come back to be flat. And I'm going to be like, sorry, buddy. Yeah. Thought you were right, man. You were right the whole time, and I, I'm putting every foot I have, every lance arm of foot that I have, mm. shoving it in my mouth right now. Yeah. Dude, I'd, I'd give them all 127 lance arms. <laughs> 127 lance arms. I you know I am okay with that measurement. And it's, it's solid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, going back to the Bob Lazar thing, he said he's seeing all this stuff from, you know, the crash in Roswell that happened in 1952. He's re-engineering those flying saucers because they've come out and said, yeah, there's flying saucers. And asses even said I've yes. Never, I've never heard this. So is this like common knowledge or is this something that gets heard like flat earthers be like, shut up. No, this is like, if you're, like I went to Roswell when I was a kid because I've liked the X-Files and all that stuff since I was a, a tiny, tiny, like nine, ten year old. Yeah. And uh, me and my mom and brother went out to New Mexico to visit relatives and stopped through Roswell because, you know, we all like aliens and stuff. And out there, Area 51 and aliens and talking about it, you know, people do. It's, you know, it's not like topic of conversation at the dinner table or anything, but if you got questions, there's people like, yeah, dude, 1952, aliens crashed in uh, Roswell and they covered it up. Like, my grandfather was in the, or not my grandfather, my great uncle was in the Air Force in 1952. In New Mexico, he wasn't connected with any of that stuff. I was about to he, say he was like a shipping shipping guy or something, like export to people out in the world. Yeah, he he wasn't any kind of classified anything or okay. anything. Or if he was, he hasn't told me. Heck yeah, but he was in New Mexico in the Air Force in 1952 around the time. Mm-hmm. The aliens crashed down supposedly in the city of Roswell, dude. They bank on that. That is like the city of Roswell is all about aliens, alien cafe, alien memorabilia. Yeah, yeah, dude. There's an alien museum I went to, and it's tiny, dude. It's tiny, and it's awesome. It's like full of like pictures of like stuff from space, and then. I bet it's fun, like, reading, like, the information Dude, on the reality. it's so cool. Like, I wish I could go back now as an adult and just see how much it's changed since it, I was out there as a kid. Yeah. Which I did, I went out to the Albuquerque. I just didn't go down to Roswell. But, yeah, man, out there it's, like, Area 51, you know, in Nevada is just, yeah, it's right here. It's in between Vegas and New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... Yeah, yeah, it's right there. I've been through it. I've driven over it. It's underground. All the bases underground. You don't see nothing but fences. When I was there, I didn't know I was there until one of the inmates from there said, "Hey, you know we're in Area Fifty One right now, right? Are you serious?" He's like, "Yeah, dude." And then I told you the story about Area Fifty One. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't stop and go to the bathroom. They'll come check you out. Wow. Yeah, they'll come in, hey, what are you doing? Nothing. Like, with guns. They will be there on you with guns. I 
Just need to take a piss. Yeah, I'm just pissed. You helped. I'm, I'm done now. I'm done, yeah. I almost didn't get it out yeah. like, of my pants in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, appreciate that, guys. Yeah. You don't need the gun? I put mine away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to take care of this right quick, if you don't mind. I'm not grabbing. The pistol is unloaded on my side. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm and sure. no, they're 100%, but you can't see shit, dude. And I've driven out through the desert, like through the Mojave at night, insane weird lights in the sky. But out there, there's no real street lights, so you're seeing so many more stars. So you don't know what's a star you're seeing or what's some craziness because it's so many. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy, man. I never thought about that a whole lot. Like, uh, I know just like living out in Kennedy and like the country, and then like. So you got better stars compared to Kennedy here. than I got. Yeah. So I can literally see everything, and I'll never forget it, man. We were in um, San Salvador of Salvador. It's the capital of Salvador. Yeah. And um, we were sitting up on top of this mountain. We were just overlooking the capital, and we had supper that night. Empanadas, I think it was. It was uh, ridiculous. They were good. Oh, I don't doubt that, man. (laughs) And they had a deck. To where you could go out and just kind of overlook the city, and I had never seen the stars that way because, like, it's third world country, and so they have power. Yeah, they have power, but it's not like our power. No, so it's not like when you, you know, you're coming up on a city when you see like the glow. Yeah, you know, over the tree line, over the horizon. Yeah, you see it coming in on the highway yeah. too. You yeah, know, you see the haze in the sky. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and so man, I was like, I've never seen stars like this. This mm-hmm. is so ridiculous. It's one reason why I like being out in the country, and then I, I, I like being close to stuff. I'll tell you this. is like, uh, that's why CDs and vinyls are worth a million Lance Arms to me, rather than Spotify. It's like, I was telling you, it's like, uh, three reasons I buy CDs and vinyls. is like, one, support the artist. Yeah. Uh, two, I like to physically have it in hand. And three, is like... It's the best way to listen because I, I just can't stream things. That's not a possibility for where I'm at. Yeah, see, I'm a streamer. As you know, my internet's pretty... It's pretty decent most of the time. And I've had... My car's been broken into so many times like since I've lived in Columbus. No hate. It's just what happens. Friendly city. Yeah. And uh, I've lost so many CDs. I lost some CDs to my ex-wife. So now I just like, I don't even, I got like some local guys, CDs, like I got the right moves in my car. Yeah. I got Alex Hinton's like little EP he made. Yeah. And that's it. That's all the CDs I have. And I don't really have records because I don't have a record player. Oh, man. I love the sound though. I just, I can't, I'm not, I'm not good at taking care of things. Oh. So you got to take care of records. And I, yeah, that's the thing. Yes, you know, and you get the best sound quality. CDs and records, best sound quality you're going to find. That's part of the process, man. Oh, I love that stuff. Records are just like modern CDs. Or, (laughs) ha! CDs are just like modern records. Okay. There we go. Yeah. And uh, instead of a needle... It's using the laser beam to read the etching on the underside of the CD label. Right. And that's why if it scratches, it's just like scratching. You're scratching over 
part of the song. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, just because it's not being read by a needle doesn't mean that there's not something needle-like reading it's that a record. Laser needle. It's a laser needle. It's about a quarter of a lance arm. Yeah, it's tiny, tiny, tiny. Even if it's a quarter of a lance arm, I'm telling you. And that's why, like, you can wear a CD out like you did with Forty Ounce to Freedom. Oh yeah. Because you've wore that needle line out in and on out, that in and CD. Out. In and out. Just it just raking across. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not something that you can feel, we're in the 21st century now, and lasers and holograms. And there's this thing, um, I guess it kind of goes back to that phenom of the 78s, back in the 70s. Yeah, when they would get the penny records. Yeah. And that's kind of the same thing. Like uh, I like peeling through people's records. You know, especially if they got something for sale. That's why um, I, love. I don't. I don't regularly buy a whole lot because a lot of times it's not worth buying because it's really damaged. Yeah, damaged. But um, if I was to come across a Robert Johnson right now, like I probably lose my crap. Yeah. You know, like s- some of the things that you see on vinyl, it's like, damn. Yeah, dude, you're like, this is interesting. This is on vinyl, huh? I'm gonna get this. Mm-hmm. Well, dude, that's why I love going to record shops, man, just to thumb through mm-hmm. and see if I see something cool or like a first edition or something. See? And it's like the same thing with a comic book geek, right? Yeah. It's like just being a music geek. It's like nerding all the way out. Yeah, dude, I love flipping through the folders and being like, dude, I bet this would sound so good, but I don't have a record player. I mean, we have one at the station, but I ain't going up there to try and... I mean, you know, if, it's, if I find a Robert Johnson record somewhere me and you'll go up to the station and sit there and listen to it mm-hmm. yeah, man, no joke we would need to just put that on the air that doesn't yeah. need to be just like yeah just straight to yeah, yeah straight to like from the record player to the air yeah whatever and just let it play cause like you know how much of the Rolling Stones we play that's where they got that shit from. you know how much of Led Zeppelin you hear you know yeah. how much of Pearl Jam you hear yeah you know how much you know much? You know Clapton. how much? You know yeah, how much? You know how much? You know how much? You, yeah, all those dudes were influenced by this. It's like now we're going back to the very beginning. We have a twenty-nine straight songs by this guy. I'm gonna see if I can spin that. Do it. Cause it's summertime, dude. Let me. I'm gonna see if if I'm gonna talk to the place where we get records and see if. Dude, I'm telling you, the summer's the time to do it. Like uh, with the podcast. Like, I got this little tour where I'm hitting different cities to do, like, music interviews. Yeah. Um, It's the time to do it. Why? Bands are moving. Bands are moving. People people are are moving. People are moving. Shows, festivals. You can can get them. Yeah. And and people want to talk to you. If you're willing to hear them, they want to talk to you. And so, like, with your idea in the summer, man, like, I think it works because like the summer is special man think about like when you was growing up and growing up and being out of school and the summer was just like three months yeah, of yeah of fun of trouble yeah of problems of, of you know whatever you, you wanted to make your summer depending on who your friend circle was that yeah, summer yeah yeah and it's it kind of like every time summer comes up even though i'm out of school and you know i work I don't get the summer off. Yeah, I know. I'm working every day. Yeah. Hell, I had to go to work today and yesterday. Yeah, I'm telling you. 
And so like, I was only there for like forty five minutes. But, but I still you. get this. I still get this summer thing, man. Like uh, I still get excited about it. Yeah, dude. I, every time, as soon as like as soon as it was starting to warm up outside, I'm like, yeah, summertime. Yeah. And so it's, I think it's it's a good time for ideas and like to pitch something new because I think people would go for it. Just yeah. Cause, just because it's that time of the year. Yeah, because you know you don't want to drop it in the winter. No. No, it's too dreary. It's rainy here. Yeah. Nobody wants to. Nobody wants to try something new. They just want to keep. But you, you here, you want to make it through the winter, just to get to the spring and summer. Yeah. I think that's the way it is a lot of places. Because like my friends up north, their tattoo shop pretty much slows, like shuts down if it starts snowing. Because they'll have snow for, yeah, you know, days at a time. I wish we could get that down here. I don't. You don't. I, well, nobody would know what to do. That, nobody have a clue. That, what that's to my do. thing. Is like, do you remember last winter when we had like a little sleep here on eighty two? Oh yeah. And all the wrecks right there before you get off to go to like Chick Fil A. Yeah, I saw. Dude, I drove. There were people everywhere. sliding off, and I was like, my goodness, guys, this is not rocket science. Mm-mm. Just don't really hit your brakes. Yeah, stay off the brake. And if you get a little loose, just ride it out. Just ride it. If you get on the brakes, you're going to no. escalate. Because your brakes aren't exactly the same all and the way gonna around. they're going to pull. It's going to pull you. Even if you got brand new brakes, one of them's going to catch faster than the other. Just don't use them unless you you, you got to ease into them and pump them. And if you need to get off, if you're too fast, just go down to the next exit. Yeah. Play it safe. Yeah, just you can get back to where you're going. Yeah. It's not hard. And that knowledge was worth about 25 Lance Arms. 20, no, no. We're in Columbus, and you know if it comes three drops of snow, we're not having any milk, we're not having any bread, we're going to have eight million accidents. Back it, put it in reverse, Terry. Yeah, we're going to go, we're going to go about 75 Lance Arms of information right there. Don't use your brakes in the snow. There you go. Let's walk this thing out the door. Sounds good to me, man. It is always a pleasure. All right, dude. Until next time. Um, Rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend about the show. That helps us out a lot. I enjoy it every time, man. I don't ever have a bad time. There's never been a bad time on Porch Talk. I'm trying to sell it like that, man. Yeah, you know, we even ran into some 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 naps. Yeah. Turned out great. Yeah. All about freedom. Yeah. What did you do for freedom? Dude took a nap. Took a nap Saw for freedom. some logs for freedom. Freedom. Saw him logs for freedom. Played, we played disc golf for we freedom. We played disc golf earlier and it was so hot, dude. Worst day to play on. And then, you know, we had this, this situation to where we could have just played the front of the course twice. I wanted to bring that up, but... I mean, it was my fault. It was my fault, man. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it. I own it. I said, no, nah, let's play the whole course because I want to get out there on those open holes. Little did I know. Well, I knew. I just didn't think it was going to be that bad. There's no shade back there, man. That was my thing. And, like, when Hunter and the guys that we ran into, like. So they played it the, first. They played the back. And I was like, these guys are smart. They figured it out. These guys are smart. Yeah. And they was like, don't recommend it. And that, and right there, I was like, I wanted to be like, let's just play the front nine twice, or just call it at nine. 
Yeah, well, that was I was almost at. The, it was so hot playing the front nine, dude. I was ready to call it because I was. I had already drank my whole bottle of water, and uh, it was hot, dude. And we were in the shade, and I had already drank my whole bottle yeah. of water. It was good to get out there and play, though, man. It had been a year since I played. It was good to get around like Brian and Cole and well, you, all of you, I would consider as better than I am. I told you, I was like, I'm a beginner stepping into the novice. Like, there were a few throws I had to where the disc actually did what it was supposed to do. Well, see, Brian can, Brian gave a lot of great advice. He He's good to help a forehander, but see, I backhand all the time. Yeah, and I, I so forehand. He yeah. tries to help me. And I'm like, dude, you're just messing me up more. Mm-hmm. And then Cole finally, like, you're a big dude. Why are you dragging it across your chest? Your arms don't work like that. Hold it out wider when you throw, and it'll probably feel better and yeah. go farther. And, dude, since I've been holding it out wider behind me, like not bringing it in real close, yeah, I've been getting so much more distance and power. Yeah. A lot of it for me was angle. Brian called me out on that. He gave a lot of great advice. He, he is good for a forehander. And what's great about Probes Park is I can't wait to play there again and maybe to practice around the house a little bit if I get the time. Yeah. It's like if I can get like the uh, – the It's all about technique. The technique. If I, if I can just get that technique down to where I can be consistent, those holes were made to be a problem for right-handers. Yeah. There were very few problems for me being left-handed. There was only one hole on all 18 that was a problem for me. Which one was it? It was... Um, the one that goes across the creek and across the road? Mm-hmm. That's that, 12. That one. And there was one on the front nine that actually had a tree that I had to throw way out. And I had to actually make my angle, my disc, and try to get... Because the way I throw, my the natural angle would have been right into that tree. Yeah. And so it, it completely disabled my game That's, on that hole. I think it's like seven. Seven, yeah. Hole seven is what you're talking about. Yes, dude, it kills me too. I hit it. I, I'll hit that tree you're talking about. You know, four out of ten times. Yeah. And what's so bad is it's kind of close. It's the tree. It's, it's right it's, in. It's probably like, only about fifteen lance arms from the pad. Yeah, fifteen lance arms from the pad. So you're still at max force yeah. when you hit that tree, and you hear it every time. Swap. Yeah, it's swap. And I'm like, stuck. Yeah. And that hole is really difficult because that's not the end. You got to go across the road and then through that little, like, you know, 20 or so lance arm field. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, you saw what I did on that one. I, I, I missed that front tree, but then got hung up in the next one off to the right. Mm-hmm. But you did good, dude, for it to just be a year. That was impressive, man. I mean, you you parred more than you, you birdied or bogeyed. I wouldn't say that, especially on the back nine. Well, the back nine, no, nobody played well because it was so hot and it was miserable. Yeah. That's my fault. We could have just played the front nine twice mm-hmm. or a front ten because yeah. it makes the circle. Yeah. And that would have been 20 holes and we would have been it would have been a way more pleasurable round yeah. than – the whole 18. True story. Let's get out the door. All right, man. Like I say, I hope you have me back again. Off the deep end. Off the deep end. Always a pleasure. Clocks sliding off the wall. Yeah. Mad Hatter chasing after you. Space. Aliens. Hellhounds. 
Freedom. The war, devil. The devil. Holograms. The backside of your eyeballs. News and notes. Alright guys, just let me and Big John know what you thought about Off the Deep and if there's a conspiracy theory out there that you would love for us to cover, let us know. Rate and review, subscribe, tell a friend. Uh, help us out. Let's get the word out. As far as notes goes, I'm going to get the word out on this. Got some more Taylor Hollinsworth for you. This song's called Distracted. I'm getting out of here. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.